Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for joining me today as I almost fell off my stability ball. (laughs) I started sitting on a stability ball while at my desk when I was pregnant with Dagny. So over three years ago, (laughs) still what I have as a chair. I've never had a chair up here. (laughs) Now it's like, wow, do I really need one? This is fine. Anyway, I am really looking forward to talking to you today about sugar and some specific things that I'm noticing as I get older happening in my body when I consume sugar and why that is and and some of your thoughts on it actually because I posted about this in the Primal Potential Facebook group. Before we get into that though, today I'm going to give away the consistency calendar. I've never done that. The consistency calendar is only available inside the consistency course. And if you are the winner of today's giveaway, I love this tool. If you are a visual person, it makes so much sense. So I created this for the consistency course as a way to visually see your consistency or lack of consistency. People love this tool. I use it every day. I love it. I find it tremendously helpful to have a visual at a glance look at my own consistency. It allows me to see where I'm inconsistent more quickly and more easily, and it motivates me to course correct and to stay in the game. So I'm going to announce the winner of that at the end of the show. All you have to do to be eligible to win is leave a review of this podcast on whatever app you listen. Okay. I posted, I don't know, maybe about a week ago now, in the Primal Potential Facebook group, which is just a free community where we talk about all sorts of things, including this podcast and other stuff, change-related. And I said that as I get older, I'm noticing that when I eat sugar, more than just like a single bite or two, I can feel the inflammation the following day. I mostly feel it in my knees. Sometimes I feel it in my heels, my feet, but it didn't used to be that way. As I get older, I'm a month away from 40, I definitely notice it. And when I cut out sugar, my joints feel great. It's like I'm a different person. I notice it so much just, I mean, heck, getting out of bed. I either get out of bed and feel amazing or I get out of bed and I feel the inflammation in my knees. But when I'm working out, it's like it's a different body. If I'm eating sugar or I've just eaten sugar, you know, like a day before, or I'm regularly eating sugar, workouts don't feel good at all. But if I am without sugar, my body feels great. And my movement is so much easier and more comfortable. And it makes a lot of sense from a couple of different angles. Sugar drives inflammation. Without a doubt, sugar drives inflammation. So when we eat sugar, we eat a lot of sugar, the more frequently we eat it, the more inflammation we have in our bodies. And we might not necessarily feel it. As I said, this is something I'm just noticing as I turn 40, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening when you're 
35 or 30, it might be that you're just not feeling it. It doesn't mean that it's not happening at the cellular level and affecting you from a health standpoint. But the other piece of it that I find is so fascinating is that if you haven't ever given yourself a prolonged experience of eating well and abstaining from sugar, you don't know how good you can feel. I used to think when I was over 350 pounds, like I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it meant to have energy. I just knew what I knew as my status quo, right? You don't know how good you could feel when you're in these patterns of inconsistency. The other thing at play here in terms of what happens when we eat sugar, and it's not specific to sugar, it's really carbs in general, they hold on to water. And that's not a bad thing. A lot of times when I, when I tell people that every gram of carb hangs on to about four grams of water, they're like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. It's not. It just is what it is. And it's, it's not good or bad, but it's also a big thing at play when people say like, oh my goodness, I smell carbs and I put on weight. Like, mm, I mean, technically, sure, water, right? But, but that doesn't mean that you're like blowing up in terms of your fat mass when you have that bagel for breakfast, over time, that could be the case. But this is what a lot of people experience if they've been lower carb or lower sugar for a while, and then they indulge, they feel that puffiness in their fingers, or they see it in their face, or they feel it in their joints. A lot of that can be related to the water retention. So there's two things going on here. One is sugar drives inflammation. And number two is naturally carbs hang on to water. So you do experience water retention when you have more carbs than than normal for you. Which begs the question, what do we do when we feel this way? Is there a way to rid the inflammation or shedding the excess water isn't as significant? Because again, there's, unless you are excessively bloated, in which case it's naturally going to, unless you have a health condition, it's naturally going to pass through and certainly optimizing your diet or being more active, drinking a lot of water can help you release that water. But in terms of the inflammation, are there things we can do? And the answer is absolutely yes. In the Facebook group, I shared four things that I do to not only help to rid my body of that inflammation, but also decrease decrease cravings. Because a lot of times when we indulge then we want to indulge more. We experience more hunger, we experience more cravings, or the intensity of our cravings is heightened, or all of the above. So here are four things that I do after indulging. Number one is I drink a lot of water. That is super important. And I I find that there can be a tendency if you're feeling bloated to drink less water, because you think, well, if I'm holding on to water, why should I drink more water? And it's a scarcity effect in your body. If your body perceives that there's not enough water, then it's going to hang on to that water and it's not going to release it. So you want to drink plenty of water. The second thing, even if it feels like the last thing you want to do, move, walk, work out, stretch, move, move, move. Motion is lotion. It helps to lubricate the joints and it's also going to naturally help that lymph- lymphatic drainage. And it's just a, a real game changer. I think when people experience the that type of inflammation if their knees are a little achy or their feet are a little achy they don't want to move but it truly is helpful the third thing that I do so I have an all-natural anti-inflammatory that I take daily just to 
moderate the natural inflammatory processes in my body. But if I've just indulged and I'm feeling that discomfort that stems from inflammation related to sugar consumption, I double up. I take four instead of two of relief. Don't look on Amazon. A lot of people are buying some crap on Amazon. That's not what I'm talking about. I'll link it up in the show description. And then the fourth thing, not surprisingly, is keep your food super clean. Basically, meat, non-starchy vegetables. If you want to reduce inflammation, this is a really important way to do it. Keep it really clean. It doesn't mean that sugar is bad, like fruit is bad. It doesn't mean that dairy is bad. But if we are wanting to minimize inflammation and feel as good as possible in your body, I think sticking primarily, not forever, but for this period of kind of getting your body to a place where it feels more comfortable, meat, non-starchy vegetables, great way to do it. I posted this in the Primal Potential Facebook group and I was like, hey, does this happen to you? Do you notice that you feel physically different when you have sugar regularly? And a ton of people responded and said yes. Interestingly, the people who regularly have sugar don't have much to say here because they are less likely to know what it feels like when you are free from that, when you are not indulging on a regular basis. And I think that's a great experience to give yourself knowing that you can always go back to eating sugar, right? Just because you're giving your body a break to see how good you can feel, how different you can feel, if it's worth it to you to maintain the change, you can always go back. You can always go back. It also brought up a lot of questions of people saying like, yes, I either get headaches or I notice it in my skin or my back pain flares up or my mood is significantly altered. And then a lot of people said, so why do I keep doing it? Why can't I stop? No matter how crappy it makes me feel, I can't stop. Yes, you can, but you won't if you say you can't. Let me put it to you this way. If I say I can't have an eight-figure business, how hard do you think I'm going to try to have an eight-figure business? I'm, I'm not because I don't think it's possible for me, right? If somebody says I can't have an amazing marriage, like my spouse just wouldn't do the work and We're just too different. How hard do you think you're going to try to have an amazing marriage if you've already declared that it's not possible for you? This is a trend that we talk about every single week in the consistency course without fail. People who are still arguing for their past patterns, even though their past patterns that they don't want to continue, but they constantly bring them up, which is a mental rehearsal. They constantly still choose them, but you are not beholden to that past pattern. The only reason it keeps showing up is because you keep choosing it. And a big part of the reason you keep choosing it is because you've told yourself that you can't have it any other way, that it's too hard. You have to change your mindset. And if you do not know how to change your mindset, then I beg of you to invest in tools and resources that teach that skill. You you must unless you want to stay in this pattern. Another question that came up around this conversation about sugar was, how do I indulge without overeating? Like, I want to be somebody who can have a little and not have it turn into a lot. Here's the thing. The person who asked this question knows They could list out 10 different ways, if not more, to make the shift. 
from overindulging to indulging moderately from like, okay, I need to be specific about the change I want to make and then I need to practice it. It would mean having, you know, uh, one dessert and not three desserts. It would mean having one indulgence and then not telling the story of, oh, well, since I had this, then I might as well have that. I want to ask you this question. Are you pretending that you don't already have the answer because if you acknowledge that you had the answer, the only thing left for you to do would be the work? I'm going to ask this again because I believe that there are a lot of people out there and probably even me in different areas of my life pretending that we are still searching for an answer, though we already have the answer, because if we were to own, I already have five different strategies that I know of that I could employ. If we embraced that, then the only thing left for us to do would be the work. But as long as we pretend we still need the answer, we're still searching, we don't have to change. I would argue that you already know how to do the thing you want to do. I would argue that you've got five or six different options of how, but you're still searching instead of doing the work. What would it look like to stop searching and instead give your energy to executing what you already know. The last thing I wanna to touch on is a question that came in totally in different direction, but I always wanna address the questions that come in on any topic as long as it's you know something that I have the authority to speak on. The question said, Elizabeth, did you know how to write a book before you wrote a book? No. Do you have any recommendations for where to find tips on the process? So no, I definitely did not know how to write a book, but this actually is a really great tie-in unexpectedly to what we were just talking about. A lot of folks will spend forever trying to come up with or find a process that they like when the truth of the matter is you know enough to start and everything else is a distraction. So I could have read 10 books on writing books. I could have hired coaches and joined programs to walk me through the process. But at the end of the day, what I knew I needed at first was a strong idea. And then I know I needed an outline. And then I needed a really strong manuscript. And I could start with all of those things without knowing the first thing in the world about publishing, about layout, about copy, about cover design, like copywriting. I didn't need to know any of that. 99 times out of 100, you know enough to start. But as long as you tell yourself you don't, then you're not on the hook to take action and you just keep searching and seeking and trying to find a different path or plan or program. Because maybe you have this idea in your head that a different path or plan or program will be easier to execute. But the truth is, None of, it's easier, none of it's easy to execute. Whether we're talking about losing weight, getting out of debt, writing a book, building a business, it all takes an insane amount of effort and a lot longer than you probably hope it would take. So when it comes to writing a book, there are so many ways to do it, right? You can work with a traditional publisher. You can self-publish. There are independent options kind of in the middle where you pay somebody to handle all of the kind of logistical pieces from 
laying the book out to designing the cover to getting you an ISBN number to, you know, uploading the book and finding a printer and getting it to show up on different booksellers and things like that. But the first thing that you need is an incredible idea. At some point, you're going to need an outline and you're going to need a great manuscript. Start with those things. And then talk to people who have written books about the process that they took and if they would recommend it and what they would do differently. But don't do any of that stuff before you have a great idea and a solid outline. And in my opinion, be a ways along in your manuscript before you're trying to figure out like the end of the story and not the literal story, but the, the final stages. Because getting it out into the world is the last part, especially if it's your first book. Now, I mean, if you have a massive audience or it's your fourth or your fifth or your sixth book, then, you know, maybe you want to start the process with a traditional publisher if you choose to go that route. But if we're just talking about like, this is my first book and I don't know what I'm doing, the most important thing is that you have a great idea and a great manuscript. Do that work first. Meanwhile, you can spend your evenings listening to podcasts or audiobooks on writing books. But the majority of your time needs to be spent actually writing, not learning about writing or learning about publishing. So, oh, I feel like that was a long episode, but it really wasn't. But the most important point is you know enough to be in action. And I want you to really think about if you're telling yourself you don't know how to do something when you really do know where you could start or changes you could make, the problem is that you're just not doing it. And then give your energy to execution. Give your time to execution. Give priority to execution because it's worth it, because you're worth it, because the time is just going by as you spin in circles looking for new options and looking for new ideas and looking for new plans and protocols. It's not going to be super helpful. And listen, if you know that you do better with accountability or structure or coaching, get it. Don't just continue to let the days and the weeks and the months go by without making progress because life's too short. All right, the winner of the consistency calendar is Deb C. Deb C, if that's you, email me, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Email me within 60 days of this episode airing. Let me know your mailing address. Let me know that you were the winner for, what is this episode, 1094. And I'll get the consistency calendar out in the mail. If you want the consistency calendar, it's a part of the consistency course. I'll link that up in the show description. It's a great option for anybody who feels like they need more structure and coaching around this to invest in the process and hold themselves to a higher level of execution rather than trying to wing it and do it on their own. One of the best things I do for myself in business and money and my own health goals is investing in people that help me get from where I am to where I want to be because I know I'm not as successful when I try to do it all by myself. I got plenty of other things that I do all by myself, you know. When it really matters, I lean on support from people who are just a little bit further along than I am. All right, we'll see you tomorrow with the Consistency 365 series. Hope you have a great day. Do something amazing with it.